Episode 286 of the Biz Talk with Bill Roy podcast. The Wichita Business Journal created this podcast because we want to provide you with some insight into the people, places, companies, organizations, and issues that are important to Wichita's business community. I'm Managing Editor Kirk Simonoff, sitting in for Bill. Well, we at the Wichita Business Journal held the 2022 Inclusion Summit on Thursday at Mark Arts. The morning-long program included panels on starting a diversity, equity, and inclusion program at your company, and one on where we need to be as a community in the inclusion space in the next few years. But the panel we'll hear from today had an interesting discussion about how to grow diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives that are already in place at companies, how to make them effective, more effective, and more of an everyday company value than simply a priority. You'll hear from Willie Pegues of McCowan Gordon Construction, Jolie Riley of Meritrust Credit Union, and Alicia Sanchez of Spirit Aero Systems. But first, let me tell you about the weekly edition of the Wichita Business Journal. The cover story this week is a look at downtown Wichita and six projects that figure to alter Wichita's skyline over the next few years. Economic development reporter Shelby Kellerman identifies a half dozen projects that are shaking up or will shake up downtown. That cover story begins on page 14. We have two lists in this week's paper. One is minority-owned businesses, the other is credit unions. Meet the largest companies on each list and meet one minority business owner who says Wichita is full of opportunity for small business. Our lists begin on page eight. Part of our mission is to help small and medium-sized businesses grow. One way we try to accomplish that is through our weekly lead section. We list bankruptcies, new real estate deals, building permits, new corporations, who owes back taxes, and court judgments. Our lead section this week begins on page 17. Equity Bank means business. That's why they've created business solutions to help you solve your business challenges. Visit them today at equitybank.com. We wanted to bring you an interesting discussion in episode 286, a discussion about effective diversity, equity, and inclusion programs in Wichita companies. It's one thing to say you have a DEI initiative. It's another to make it as effective and meaningful as it can be. Audra Donnell, founder of Wichita's Thread Leadership Collective, a resource for Wichita women, was our moderator for the Inclusion Summit on Thursday. And she began this panel by asking Jolie Riley about Meritrust Credit Union's DEI efforts. Jolie, we're going to start with you on this question because you've already started talking about it a little bit. Tell us about where your organization is today in terms of DEI efforts and what lessons you have learned along the way. Okay. So we're in about our second to third year in that middle uh, grouping of our DEI efforts at Meritrust. So you know, we started with this council, and in year one, we really focused on how do we create cultural competencies? How do we learn to celebrate, you know, a culture that's different than us? Another diverse group, things like, you know, everything from Pride to Juneteenth to just all of those celebrations that, that people may not bring that piece of themselves to work. So we started with that piece to start building that bridge to where we are now, which is where we're starting to, to have some more of those, those conversations that aren't always comfortable to have. 
to start building that culture of curiosity, that culture of acceptance, where, where we are starting to say, hey, maybe, maybe this policy doesn't work for a lot of our workforce because of this. We are really digging deep into some of the listening groups, into focus groups, to, to understand how people feel at work. What parts of themselves do they bring to work and what parts of themselves do they maybe not feel quite comfortable with? Um, so this year we've broken up our advisory council somewhat. We have some subgroups. So we still have the cultural competency piece. They do a lot of education throughout the year for our organization. It is amazing what, what we learn, what we just learn about different ethnicities, different pieces of cultures, artists, foods, that we just didn't have before. We have a policy team that starts to look at those policies. Do we have things that are restrictive? Do we have things that maybe aren't good for members that let some, some of those unconscious biases come in? Uh, what else? Oh, our community involvement team, and that's a huge one. That is where we work to get our groups of teams out in the community, learn more about diverse communities, learn more about how we can be involved. And she was spot on in terms of when you first start. So I've been in my organization that I'm with now for two years, and I'm the first person in this position. So coming in and establishing a DEI council and then a DEI advisory board and then business resource groups, that's a lot of lifting in terms of different and um, for individuals that have not operated in that space, that's a lot of change, right? So then you have to establish um, opportunities for individuals to understand. So the first panel that spoke this morning, they talked about grace. They talked about assume positive intent. There's a lot of that, that you have to practice in organizations because always understand that people aren't where you are. So when you say, you talk about a particular BRG and someone says something like, well, I just don't agree with that. That's okay. At least they're telling you they don't agree with it. So now let's have the conversation to ask, why not? And then just kind of lead them down the way. But that is really key in terms of uh, when you first start in your when you first start in your program, setting those up and putting the right structure and how it also connects to the business. Because everybody's going to always ask, well, what does this got to do with business, right? Everybody's mission and vision around DEI. It's going to be different. It's going to be based upon what your business is. And there are business resource groups. There are employee resource groups. There are affinity groups. We decided to go with business resource groups because anything that we do, we wanted it to be aligned with the business. And someone talked about having strategies, establishing strategies. We have DEI strategies that is part of our corporate strategies. So all of those efforts are aligned with, all aligned with those strategies from the DEI perspective and from the uh, company perspective. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we decided to just make it a conversational bit up here. Can you help me understand, because employee resource groups are something we are looking at implementing. What, what led you all to make that choice between a maybe a traditional employee resource group versus a business resource group. Can you talk about what's different there? Yeah, absolutely. So employee resource group could be, so resource groups are 
these groups that people of like-minded individuals that are passionate about specific topics, right? Well, with employee resource groups, it can be anything. Basket weaving, it could be cotton candy. I always use cotton candy. I hate <laughs> cotton candy. It, it has nothing to do with anything, so I always say cotton candy. It could be cotton candy. But when you talk about business resource groups, then you're talking about all of the efforts and initiatives that you're doing, it has to be part of the business. So within those, we have criteria in terms of each initiative has to have impact two of the four criteria. And that's around our community, people, clients, and our associates. So each initiative has to touch two of those four in order for it to move forward to the next approval process. Alicia Sanchez from Spirit Aerosystems continued. So I was fortunate to come into Spirit and there was a significant amount of groundwork that was already laid. So for us, now it's looking at, okay, we have a um, executive diversity council in place. We have employee resource, employee business resource groups, um, our EBRGs, and we have four. Um, we had one just recently launch. Um, and then we also have our office. And then there certainly are executive champions um, within each of the functional areas that are working with our vice presidents and our executive leadership team members to um, help implement diversity, equity, and inclusion strategies and initiatives across the board. And so now we have an opportunity to think, okay, right, how do we then add the accountability piece? So we have some metrics we've evaluated for a few years, um, how we want to be able to move the needle from our, um, you know, our senior managers and above is how we define women in leadership and so our leadership Excuse me. And so now we're looking at, okay, we have this baseline. We're looking. So now what are some of those real tangible things that we need to do as an organization? It's no secret. The war on talent, that's nothing new for us by any means across our community. So now we're all looking at how do we then create uh, opportunities for sourcing talent? So if we continue to go to the same spaces, we're not going to see the diversity that we need to. And so knowing what that means for your organization and then also looking at the slates. So when you think about who's coming in to interview, um, if you're looking at increasing your diversity and your slates don't have the diversity you're looking for, it's not gonna change. And so what are those things as an organization you're really willing to do? And those are the conversations we're leaning in now to say, what is it now that we have to do differently to be able to source our talent and then look at the slates of individuals that we're bringing in? And those are difficult conversations, I think, for any organization to have um, because we need positions filled. So does that mean that we're going to be willing to hold a position vacant because we don't have the talent that we're looking for? Certainly, we're all looking for the highest quality talent. We want to bring in the best person to do the job, but thinking a little bit differently. And so I think that's a, a big piece of where we are as we think about talent, um, certainly. And then, of course, looking at our employee value proposition. How are we really engaging and keeping our talent within the organization? Um, so again, that's thinking a little bit differently um, as we have come out of or um, on the other side of COVID and however you want to define that and what it looks like for your organization. Um, the reality is, is that not everyone can have a hybrid work environment. Um, it doesn't necessarily make sense. If people have their hands on a product, they need to physically be there. But then the other support roles and people that are working with our clients and other functions in the business, what does that look like? And that's a difficult conversation, I think. But we provide opportunities for individuals to do, is it, you know, four 10-hour days? Is it looking at um, nine tens, or I think it's at nine tens. 
right? So, right, looking a little bit differently about how people are showing up so that you provide some equity into that. And that's a challenge, I think, for a lot of different organizations when you think about that. The panelists were then asked about their organization's efforts in recruiting and retention with that DEI lens. Jolie Riley of Meritrust started, followed by Spirit's Alicia Sanchez, and Willie Pegues joined later. You know, we are a, a customer, a member-based organization. So for us, it is crucial that, that our talent, that our workforce mirrors the community we serve. It is important that when people walk in any of our branches, when people come to work in any of our offices, that, that our Meritrust community is representative of our larger community. So we have taken a, we've taken a look at how we do our hiring, how we do our recruiting. What does that look like to get different kinds of applicants than people who may traditionally apply with us? We have went to a single recruiter who does the majority of our hiring throughout our organization. And really the biggest piece of that is it removes so much of that unconscious bias. If you have people from every work group hiring their, their own teams, you can end up with a lot of teams who look a lot like that hiring manager or who have that exact same background, that exact same belief system. We've removed a lot of that barrier. And so we are seeing just a more vibrant, diverse work group. And that that has really changed us. We have worked with some outside partners in our community to help us reach out. Envision has been a great partner for us. We have a couple of you know visually impaired teammates who are doing phenomenal work. Would they have found Meritrust without our partnership with Envision? Probably not. Would we have known how to make accommodations? Probably not. And so we can't, we can't continue to do things the way we've always done it and expect to get a different result. So it's, it's important that we prioritize finding, finding difference and diversity in that hiring piece or we are never going to get where we want to go. And then beyond that, it is, okay, we've got someone in, how do we then see that diversity at all levels in our organization? And that's really someplace at Meritrust, it, that's our next focus in our journey. Alicia, what were you gonna? Yeah, um, so I would say we're, we're a global company, so how we approach uh, talent looks very different um, depending on what part of the world we're in, um, and even in the United States. So we have to think very differently because a one-size-fits-all approach doesn't work. Um, so we have to look different on how we're achieving that. Um, when we talk about we want more minorities in senior leadership positions, um, so we have to really think about, okay, well, what's the pipeline down? Um, because, right, we only have so many positions that are open, and so filling those positions, if we're, we're looking at increasing um, people of color in our leadership, um, so then we have to think, okay, then how are we hiring for entry-level positions and above um, and being really strategic? And so working with our college recruiter, um, when we think about entry-level or just talent coming in, so thinking about are you going to a historically black college or university? Are you going to a Hispanic-serving institution? What are those ways and building those relationships? Because you can't show up once and think, well, we didn't yield any talent from this opportunity, so I'm not going to go back. You have to continue to go back. You have to continue to build the relationship, just like any relationship when you're working with businesses and 
clients and so on and so forth. So I think that's a piece when you're looking at it when we think about the domestic piece. And then we think about women across the organization, again, thinking a little bit differently about opportunities. And then also I think this is where the, the retention piece comes in. And I mentioned the employee value proposition of thinking about what are ways if we want to hire more women in leadership and within the organization, um, in engineering, so on and so forth, we have to think about then what are those things in place to be able to support individuals in the role um, and really think about how then do we retain because we spend so much to recruit to bring people on and then thinking about um, that, that piece of retention. Um, I mentioned the pipeline. So we look at data, many of us and look at data and then we think, okay, great, we have this many people coming in the pipeline, but you have to keep looking further down that pipeline of your numbers because if you only have 17% and your goal is to get to 30% and your pipeline's great, isn't even large enough to fill those positions. And so how do you then really think about across the board with your um, uh, hiring partners, then how do we grow that pool of talent so that we can even get to the numbers that we're trying to achieve. And I think that's oftentimes where we fall short is, well, we looked at the data, we gotta dig a little bit deeper and we gotta get dig a little bit deeper again to really make sure that we're doing that and creating those opportunities, um, utilizing your existing employees. So we, I mentioned our employee business resource groups. So thinking about the business cases you talked about, Willie, so how do you utilize that talent and how do you allow for the time, right? How do you build it into um, an employee performance objective saying, okay, our employee business resource groups are gonna help us support the talent, but we have to be intentional about this can't be in other duties as a sign. This can't be volunteer time, um, right? So we have to really embed that. And I think that's a piece where we're evaluating that because we wanna utilize that talent. And we have to think differently about how we hire and utilizing um, the different affinity groups um, and, and identities that we have. And so um, I think again, tying it back to the business case. And so when we look at our employee resource groups, we have pillars um, and functional areas within our uh, DE&I office. And so then we tie those back to our employee resource groups, then say, okay, talent is a piece. So this is what we wanna be able to do. And so I think the, um, I will say the food fund fabric exists for employee resource groups to have the celebrations, to have the cultural events, but then how are they then tying back to bringing and keeping the talent in the organization? Ditto. <laughs> One thing I will add though, and this is a pet peeve of mine, whenever talking about diversity recruiting, I hate the comment about, well, I don't want to sacrifice talent. Why do you say that? Why do people say that? Well, I know why they say that. But don't think that because you're going to someone that's diverse, that's going to sacrifice their ability or the level of uh, ability for that person. That's not it. Anyone through your organization, anyone that is being brought in on that slate, they should be qualified. They should have gone through the same type of screens as any other non-diverse individual has gone through. So just please keep it in the back of your mind because again, that's just a pet peeve of mine and it is said, it is said a lot throughout, the, uh, throughout this space. Audra then asked the panelists about quantitative results of company DEI programs. So for companies that have established programs and are wanting to take the next step, what do you suggest in quantitative terms? So we're looking for structure, metrics, et cetera. I'll start. Uh, so 
it's really important not to get just so focused on metrics. And the reason being is because once you achieve that metric, like, hey, we're done, right? The work is never done. So you have to be uh, strategic in terms of identifying those metrics. And then what other things are you doing around where you're taking an assessment on how well you're doing in an organization? One uh, survey that I will recommend that is phenomenal because it comes with a dashboard is called Custom Insight. And they use a dashboard tool where it has benchmark questions that you can survey your organization and they will benchmark your responses to those and then give you a score. And it's from different industries throughout the country. So that is a great tool. But anyway, using survey tools, having metrics, and then just doing uh, whether you want to call uh, rotating around the organization, just having conversations with different individuals, with different groups, and just getting their assessment in terms of how things are going in regards of moving the needle around DEI, around specific goals or objectives that you've already set. And then also having those conversations with leadership. Because a lot of times, leadership will give you the head not like, hey, y'all understand I'm on board. But they're on board, but they may not have the understanding. And a lot of times when they may have someone that comes to them that, let's just say, does not come across as supportive about any certain objective or initiative, they sit and listen, right, but then say nothing. And when they sit and listen and say nothing, that's compliant, right? That's giving that person affirmation like, hey, yeah, what I'm saying is correct. There has to be, and you said it earlier, a sense of establishing accountability. So with leaders in organizations, when you have someone that's pushing back on something, yeah, sit and listen because everybody has a right to express whether they're frustrations or they're misunderstanding, but then also you want to, as a leader, you want to guide them towards the right direction. And then it's not for you to have the answer, but you can say, okay, let's walk through this together. And then at the end of the day, if you still need additional help, reach out to your DEI leader, but never just say, well, that's a DEI person's responsibility. It's like safety. Safety is everyone's responsibility, right? So. Using those tools in terms of whether it's a uh, survey, whether it's the objectives and you setting goals, all those are important to use collectively versus just, just sticking to one because, again, going back to metrics, you can stick to a number, and once you hit that number, you can say, okay, we're done, everything's solved. Uh, I mean, we're great with DEI. Well, that's not the case. And a lot of, mis a lot of organizations kind of, that is a misstep organizations have. Going back to metrics, so if you have goals, as I alluded to, right for us, we have some um, specific goals around talent and individuals and leadership. Um, but I also think that you have to look at your ins and your outs. So if you say, okay, well, we've increased by X percent, um, okay, that's fantastic. But is that just bringing in new people? How many people have left? And so I think you have to look at both to get a real holistic picture of what's happening in your organization. So if you're not looking at that and you're only looking at what we're bringing in and we're not thinking about how many people are exiting the organization, there's the, you're missing the, um, the entire story of the organization. And so you have to look at that. And that takes work. Um, so as you build a dashboard, I, I mean, I think that's a you know, you can, you can build dashboards. I've seen it. I've done it. <laughs> so, um, but you also can have tools, I think. And so I think utilizing that and looking at the ins and the outs to tell the entire story, um, looking at the intersectionality of your employees. 
So uh, oftentimes what happens is we say, well, we have this percentage of this identity and this identity. Um, when we think about um, racial and ethnic identities, how are we looking at people who are two or more races? How do we think about including our veteran population, um, women who are veterans or in the military? Um, I think that's a piece of that women of color in leadership. And so looking at some of those things, I think when we think about going to that next level, we have those pieces, but if we look at women in um, leadership of color, um, right, that's X percent, you know, I'll just use some arbitrary numbers, these are not spirit numbers, but right, we might say, okay, we have 10% of women of color in leadership, but overall of women, women in leadership, it's 25%. So there's a 15% gap there, and so how do we really think about, how do we achieve our goals holistically around the company. And so I think that's another piece as you start thinking, okay, well, we have a good baseline. How do you dig a little bit dip deeper and think beyond some of those um, aspects and dimensions of diversity that oftentimes we think about in an organization? Um, because diversity exists in all spaces. So you wanna make sure that um, individuals in the organization can see themselves and you don't automatically are, you're not automatically excluding anyone. So if someone says, well, you're really focused on this population, you gotta explain the why, and you have to also make sure that they can see themselves in these initiatives so that there isn't that inclusion exclusion piece as well. We use you know, a lot of the same tools. We do an employee engagement survey. We act really heavily on our employee engagement survey. Um, you know, we review it at the executive level. We review it at our director level. Each work group, each manager is responsible for reviewing that with their group. And this year in our employee engagement survey, we did add through our vendor some questions that really spoke to that piece of inclusion, belonging. Do you feel like you belong at Meritrust? Can you bring your whole self to work every single day? And it, we were pleasantly surprised that our teams, you know, by and large, but it did. It did show us some, some pockets of opportunity that we definitely have employee groups um, that may not feel that this is the place for them, and how do we, how do we build that? We also use our, our exit interviews, because there are sometimes no one will tell you the truth like someone who is unhappily leaving, but that's okay. <laughs> I mean, we have to know those things. We have to understand those things, and so we rely heavily on that. Um, you know, there, there are just so many pieces, but it does come down to then knowing those numbers that become part of your strategic plan, part of your goals, but what goes with that? What is that human piece that, that tells the story behind that data? So it does go a lot into the qualitative data as well. You know, what, what do people really feel? What are they thinking? What is, what is their sense of purpose at work? What is their sense of belonging? You have to have those things together. The numbers are great, the metrics are great. We have to have those, especially from a business perspective. We have to know how people feel and why they feel that way. That's it for Biz Talk with Bill Roy this week, episode 286. Check out all our podcast episodes at our Biz Talk with Bill Roy hub. It's at wichitabusinessjournal.com. Thank you for listening and subscribing. Biz Talk with Bill Roy is a production of the Wichita Business Journal. Thanks very much to our sponsor, Equity Bank. Creating the business concept turned out to be the easy part. The challenges that follow is where Equity Bank comes in. Equity Bank was built by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Let them help your business evolve and solve your challenges. Tomorrow is here.
Visit them today at equitybank.com forward slash evolve. Be well and be safe. Have a profitable week.